Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the new logistics workforce with my old pal, Mike Temple. How's it going, Mike? Doing very well, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's always a rock and pleasure to be on the Logistics of Logistics. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And as we got a great topic here today. And if you guys check it out, I've done some other podcasts with Mike. But before we get into that, Mike, why don't you introduce yourself and your company? Yeah. As you said, I'm Mike Temple, president of Temple Executive Coaching, where we work with leaders in their top-line leadership developing strategy, helping them to execute that strategy and developing their leadership team. And our focus is the logistics industry with a, a secondary focus on the franchising industry. Excellent, excellent. So I, I met Mike many years ago. If I'm thinking five, seven years ago, he was one of my clients who I was doing a lot of digital marketing. I wrote articles with Mike. I think we probably wrote like 30-some articles together. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So we collaborated. Actually, we were just collaborating just now. And we were like, oh, we over prepped and that we were not ready to do the podcast, <laughs> which, you. which reminds me of when we would write articles. We talked so much about it and uh, it was easy to write them because when we we're done hashing it out, it was e- easy. But anyway, Mike's an excellent executive coach and he works again in logistics. And that's what, uh, that's what we're talking about today. So today's topic is the new logistics workforce with Mike Temple. Mike, you know, when we were prepping for this, I'll, I'll give a little foundational comment here is, you know, the, the logistics workforce, like all workforces has changed. And I think the COVID stuff with, you know, everyone's starting to work from home remote, and also just all of the stuff that happened during this last year, it just accelerated some things. But already we have a workforce that's different than, I'm, I'm on the tail end, I think you are too, the tail end of the baby boomers, right? When we got into the workforce many years ago in the 80s, nobody asked like, hey, we're going we're gonna to mold the, the job around you. Nobody said, hey, this is what we're doing for you. It was like, hey, get, here's your job, do it. I don't say this in a nasty way, but we worked for a World War II guys and Korea guys. And those guys, it was a top-down culture where we all worked. And mm-hmm. we were lucky to have those jobs, and we we're told that often. <laughs> and yeah, it's a very different, this was pre-internet, believe it or not. It was a very different culture. Now you kind of go to today's workforce. It's much more diverse. We have many more women in most, I was in engineering. There's hardly any women when I first started working in engineering, much more likely to have Asian people, Middle Eastern people, black people, whoever. They were much more diverse than we used to be. And I think just with the internet and the way it's basically transformed. And I don't think we give enough thought to of what that work workforce is all about. And we're doing it more and more, but, uh, we're in a talent war right now and it's hard to get people to come back to work in some jobs. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people who just say, Hey, look, I can just quit and go anywhere I want. So we as employers (laughs) need to start rethinking what that workforce is looking for. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When I started executive coaching, I'd say back in 2008, 2009 ish, I, I talked about, you know, organizations having a mission 
a mission being what are you doing that makes society, that makes people better? What problem are you solving? And you just happen to be doing it through your company. And at the time when I first started, people understood it. But I think now, fast forward to now, because to me, the mission has always been, what is everybody here rallying around? And it sure as heck better be more than just making the owner a lot of money. You know, the mission in theory and in you know, a genuine mission gets people through those tough times. So we can rally around and say, guys, I know times right now suck, but this is why we're here. And let's not forget why we're here and you know, rallying around that mission to get us through. Well, like you said, Joe, <laughs> you know, COVID hits. And now we've all been scattered, right? Get out of the office, go home, and somehow we're, we're going to support our customers. And, we're, and most importantly, we're going to support each other. Where does our mission now start to play in all of this mess, if you will? Right, right. Yeah, and it's, it's the same old thing, Mike, is when somebody talks about their, their values. Don't tell me your values. I can tell what your values are by the way you're living and the way you're acting, your behavior. Which brings us kind of to the first thing we wanted to talk about, which is the idea of kind of these value-driven organizations. So speak to that. That's That's the first thing we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. And this became partly, you know, with the strategy. And I didn't see this, I'll admit, I didn't see this part of my, my, uh, my practice that would really take front and center stage, but it was the culture, you know, because people are not loyal to your strategy. They're loyal to the culture. See, strategy is only that roadmap, how we're going to get there. The culture dictates how we get things done. So to me, the culture has always been, what are your genuine actions, your genuine behaviors in, yes, in good times, but also in tough times? And do you reflect those values in what you do, right? So I would have some, some owners say, well, one of our values is continuous improvement. All right. So tell me what, and, and by the way, Joe, the, these values are really your, fu- you know, foundational principles. They're, they follow you wherever you go. So I would ask people, okay, if you believe in continuous improvement, tell me the last book, course, something you did outside of work that emphasized that you as the leader are continually improving. And what does that look like? What, you know, what organization do you, do you belong to? You know, what classes are you taking? Courses, something that says, reflects, continues improvement on your part, go. And I'd get up, then I'd get ready to write the action word. Right. Dead silence. <laughs> right. I, meant, I meant your continuous improvement, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Do your job better. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and I think it, the culture is going to be different every place, depending on your industry, depending on your your workforce, where you're located, all those different things in, in the job. So, but generally speaking, we're talking about visible, inspiring leadership. We're talking about positive management. You know, some sort of I want to work there brand. Right? There has to be some collective vision, purpose. Right? We, we want it has to be one of those places that I want to work at. And again, this is so different than. Pre-internet, pre-internet, you never knew. You go to a company, all you heard was rumors. Like, I guess that's a good place to work or not. Now we know. I can go online. I can go to any number of places and see is that a good place to work or not. And I think this is where we're all kind of saying, "Hey, we we have to develop an organization that is attractive to the best people." 
And again, we're in a talent war. So it has to begin with this, these values being front and center. And then we have to build this culture. And Mike, you and I wrote an article a million years ago, it seems like, but, um, and it was about really based on this idea of culture. And I love what you used to say about the garden analogy. So please tell me that one. <laughs> yeah, the, the garden analogy is you, you got to kind of treat your values, you know, kind of like a garden, you know, because if you don't tend your garden, all right, if you're, bear with me, you tough guys. If you're not out there <laughs> watering the garden, all right, primping the garden. Weeds will grow, right? And the weeds at some point will take over your garden. So you've got to be out there getting rid of those actions you don't want to see, those behaviors you don't want to see, those you've got to get out of. Because if you leave your culture to kind of grow on its own, Joe, right. you're going to get a culture, all right? You just don't know what you're going to get. So if you <laughs> you get a culture no matter what. No matter what. Do you want it to be an intentional culture that you chose, or do you want to let the culture develop on its own? In the article, I just looked at it from the article that we wrote years ago. I know this was my my my, my, my two cents into it is culture is like my waistline and my credit card. It's always going in the wrong direction yeah. <laughs> if I'm not tending to it. You got to tend to the go, culture. Oh, I'm doing okay. I don't need to weigh myself. Yeah. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. No, I'm sure my credit card's fine, right? Mm-mm. The culture will eventually reflect the leadership, Joe. Right in in the perfect world, and this perfect world of culture reflection is is gaining on us. It's becoming front and center. You, you look at you know most prominent organizations before that some of them kind of got a black eye, but the culture reflects the leader because whatever happens at that organization, good and bad, who do we look at? Huh, the leader. From private sector, and now it's starting to happen, you know, in the, I apologize, from the public sector, now it's starting to kind of happen within the private sector. And I think when you look at these cultures, you, you know, getting back to the garden analogy, mm-hmm. you have to, you have to pluck out the behaviors that are, you got to pluck out the weeds. Those are the wrong values. Also, you might have had a really good value. Let's just say it was uh, where, hey, we're aggressive and sales driven. And maybe it got, too big, right? And now I, now, now I'm bringing in bad business. My sales guys are very good, but they're bringing in some bad business. I got to go back and prune that, right? Or maybe they're so aggressive, they're overwhelming operations or <laughs> ignoring, right? So I have to keep going back and saying, hey, these plants all have to have their own place. And Correct. so you really, it, you really have to tend that, that culture like you're tending a garden. And here's another thing about it, Mike, and they, they, we talked about this in this article we wrote. I'll put a link to it, this article, is the idea that um, people don't have time to create a culture, right? So they say, oh, we're so busy. I've got customers, customer issues. I've got, I've got hiring. I'm firing. I've got cash flow issues. I have no time for the culture. I will get to the culture after I'm okay, after I'm in a good place. <laughs> and the problem is you never get to that other place. Somehow, some way you got to prioritize culture. It's just like exercise. It's the foundation. Yeah. You got to have that culture because at some point, if the culture is right, all these little things take care of themselves. Is that was the, in, in fact, Joe, that was the, the name of the article. If you get the culture right, the other stuff will take care of itself. Right. In, in my experience of working with business owners and, and these leaders, which are continually running around trying to put out these fires, is that they're trying to put out the culture as to what the culture has created. So they've kind of gotten caught up in the, in, in that, that vicious cycle. It's got to be intentional. I'll be honest, Joe, it's not easy. It's a lot of work, but the best ones do it. 
Right. And and keep in mind, we're talking about the workforce. If you have a bad culture, you're not going to be able to keep the best and the brightest. They're going to get there and go, you know what? This ain't for me. I'm out. That's right. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to find it. They're going to some find some place that fits their needs. So we talked about being value driven. And again, that's this idea of, you know, be aligning your behaviors to your values, being if values are front and center. This is what we believe in. It might be triple bottom line, people, planet, profit might be community involvement, whatever it is, it's beyond just the profit. Typically a profit has to be part of it. So the second thing we talk about is culture and you just have to develop that good culture. There's probably a million articles and books written about it, but the basics, I think you said to me many years ago, when you see a behavior that you like, walk over and say, Hey, I like what you did there. <laughs> you see a behavior you don't like, you go, Hey, you know, Joe, please stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. You got about 24 hours to, to your point, Joe. You got about 24 hours, maybe 48. Okay. Depending on workday <laughs> where you have to reward that value, the actions that you saw that you want to see, the behaviors, you've got to reward that because if you don't reward that, you don't know if you're ever going to see it again. Now, a reward doesn't have to be standing up and handing out a participation trophy. Okay. A reward can be going, like you said, Joe, can be going over to that employee. You just got off the phone, you know, uh, talking to your shipper and you're trying to work things out with your carrier and, and everyone's angry at you, the broker. Comment below if that's never happened to you before. But if I see that, uh, you know, that, that Joe has just gotten off the phone, you know, with a heated call and you maintained your cool and you took copious notes and you're working out a problem. And our values is professionalism. I have to come over to Joe and say, hey, Joe, I saw how you handled that call. I don't have to announce it to everybody. Hey, Joe, I saw how you handled that call. I know it was heated, but I admire the way you kept your cool. That's what we mean by professionalism. Right. Thanks, buddy. Yep. That goes so long, goes so far with employees, but it's got to be authentic. That's the key. It's got to be an authentic one. Yeah, and the, you know, so, so much of this also applies to kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it really does. But I always think about this as like, you know, as a parent, you can get in the mode of always going, don't do that. Put that down. Get out of there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? yeah. And, and yeah. at some point go, I like how you handled that today. I like to see you being nice to your sister. I like the way you were reading. Right? <laughs> it matters too, but it, it, it does really mean a lot when somebody does. I probably had 30 some jobs in my career. I've so often think about bosses that I never knew where they were coming from, mm -hmm. or I thought, I don't know, maybe he likes me, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Who knows? You know, am I on the good side? Am I on the bad side? Those comments that just say, hey, look, I, I like what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. I, I like the way you handled that. Right. It does go a long way. And, you know, I always wanted more money. Everyone wants more money. But I want I want to know that I'm doing the right thing. I want to know that I'm uh, I'm having an impact over here. Absolutely, Joe. I was working with a client. Oh, and I remember they were out of the Carolinas. And this particular owner could not get clear on the culture that he wanted. That's okay. It takes some time. So to motivate the employees, he tried to give them way above market salaries. And, and when I say way above, you know, the technical job of this particular company was kind of based more on data entry, customer service data entry. Average salary was 60000 per employee. He had a, a crew of about 20. They had unlimited vacation time, unlimited leave. Ask me if it was paid, Joe. <laughs> it was. Huh? It was paid. Very it was nice. paid, right? 
awesome, fantastic benefits. He could not understand why his employees were complaining so much, why they never executed, why they never seemed to be listening, why they were never happy with what they had. And that is an example of, look, pay is not going to cover everything. Pay is great, but if you let your culture kind of grow on its own, you have no idea what you're going to get. Yeah, Mike, and you know, there's there's things that are unsaid, and when things are unsaid, I, I just go, <laughs> you know, I think what Mike meant, I think what Mike, where Mike's head that is this. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe I'm off. We're, we we always misinterpret each other, and I think you know, if you were to say, Joe, here's exactly what I expect. Here's what's here's what's going to make the company successful, and then reward me for doing it. Yeah, you're going to get the right behaviors more often than correct. Yeah, I'll pay you a lot, and um, you can have time off. And I look and go, you know, I'll I'll do this until I get fired or quit. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and to that point, Joe, no one's perfect. We all have our own personal values and principles that we we want to live by, but we don't even uphold those 100 percent of the time. Right. You know, right. you're on track. You're doing an excellent job when you can reflect your values, the actions, behaviors, 75 percent of the time. That's a high value. <laughs> right, right, right. So we've talked about value-driven organizations. You got to have those values be front and center. We've talked about getting the culture right. Now, this is a big one here, this, this flexibility. In yeah, this today's yeah. workforce, there's an expectation that there's going to be flexibility like we never had in the past. And with COVID, a lot of us ended up working from home. I was already working from home. But a lot of people ended up working from home all of a sudden. And some of them are saying, I don't want to go back. Others are saying, I want to go back. Let me out of here. I can't stand yeah. it here anymore. And I think part of that is if people are going to be remote, how do I build that culture? How do I yeah. have my values part of this? I can't be on Zoom calls all day, every day. And even if I can, there's going to be some problems with that. So talk about the flexibility that people want to have. And how do we manage that remote <laughs> or the in-person problem. What I've seen with a lot of my clients, what they do is it immediately they wanted to go, you know, to kind of the hybrid model. Some, you know, those who don't want to come back, you don't have to, right? Those who do, we, we welcome you back. But when they realize that, wow, you know, just because somebody wants to work from home because they want to, doesn't mean they're going to be you know, a, a better employee at, at home, right? So they turned it more into a reward. If you have the actions and values, and we've consistently note, noticed them, if you exemplify these values that we have, if you understand the mission, if you're good at the technical part of your job, so as time is growing here, Joe, we're seeing a lot more time spent on employee development and not as much on employee training, they use that as a, as a reward. Once you've earned this privilege to be able to work from home, we're going to allow you. And then once you've worked from home, there's going to be some KPIs, key performance indicators that will show, are you productive at home? Uh, to your point, how do we, you know how do we keep these values going? Honestly, it's not easy. There's nothing that works better than that in-person, one-on-one, you know, energy and collaboration. But there are certainly some things that you can do. You're going to have to be a lot more mindful of making sure these individuals are you know a, a part of the team. If they've earned that award, you know that award, you've got to be there to continually making sure they're part of it. Regular, you know, regular, let's call them, they're now called Zoom meetings, right? Regular meetings, uh, you know, asking them some things. I, I got one client who's starting to ask employees, so when you weren't here, tell me some things that you did that are reminiscent, that reflect our values. Tell me something that happened 
from where you're at. You know, they've got to be able to tell them, this is what happened. This is how I handled it. So, you know, there's, you know, maybe you can, you know, some of them are doing a game night, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my, my daughter. One of my daughters uh, is a consultant and she said that uh, they do a lot of, she works at a really well-known company that has a fantastic culture and has done very well, tech company. And they do a lot of uh game nights and I've heard people talk about doing cocktail parties. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, we, we're going to have to figure out a way to still build a team, build a culture, be that mission driven company that they want to work at, but also recognize this workforce again is a different workforce. I might have a, a number of really good people who say, I, I want to work for Miami and that's just how it is. I'm going to, I'm going to work from, I want to work from uh Vail. So right. how, how, how can you accommodate me if you want to work with me? And I think there's got to be a way that we can attract and retain those people. And I think some of it's going to be, I'm just thinking out loud, maybe you get rid of your office. I've heard people get rid of their office, but you're going to have to once a week or once a month or once every two weeks, get together and be in person for a day, right? Maybe it's a convention center at a hotel, but get together and say, hey, look, this is where we come together and agree on what we want to accomplish together. Yeah, and even that, Joe, it's a reflection of of the culture. Some cultures do well, you know, off-site work. Some of them, you know, not so much. This has got to be kind of a two-way street with uh, employee and, and employer. You're not probably going to be as interactive and, you know, part of the team as if you were there. That's just a fact. That's just a way that, you know, that it's, you know, right now the early data start uh, shake out from, from some polls that have happened here. However, that employee who wants that remoteness, they're going to have to understand, I'm willing to give up some things to have my remote work environment. Some cultures do it just fine. Like I said, some of them, not so much. So if you're willing to say, take your pick, guys, remote or being included all the time, remote, you know, that employee is going to have to accept that. Also, it makes you wonder, like if somebody says, hey, I, I want to work remote, but eventually I hope to be promoted to manager. Well, maybe there's to say, look, if you hope to be promoted to the next level, next level is visible. It's going to be visible into the team and that would require you to be in person. But what, what we're talking about again, is how do we go in and get, attract and retain the very best talent? There's just really, there's no one right answer. But I think when we look at the flexibility that these guys, the, the, the workforce of today wants, that remote versus in person becomes suddenly after COVID a big question. How are we going to work together? We keep bringing it up, but it goes back to the culture. What's the culture of the environment of the people that you're work, that are, are working there? If it's a high energy environment, people like being there together, right? I've got a client in the Midwest, I'll say, right? Where they have us. They sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> Part of them, they need that energy of finding loads and they need the energy of covering those loads. Now, dispatch and <laughs> tracing, they don't need that energy so much or, you know, a- approving, you know, applications for credit, you know, the accounting team. All right, I said it. They don't need that energy of being together all the time. So there's a little bit of that hybrid. Shippers, carriers, we're here together because we've got to have those dynamic conversations. Right. And in, 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 in some regards, Mike, having a little bit of peace and quiet is helpful. So maybe working for moments uh, is better when you're doing some of that job. And, and let's face it, a lot of that work is being shipped. Or is, a lot of that back office work is being done in other places like Columbia, like my friends over at Lean 
Clean Solutions Group. They've done a great job on that. And that's their, you know, that's one of their main businesses. So they do pretty well. But when you talk about flexibility, we're not just talking about just remote versus in person. We're also talking about we've suddenly got this non-traditional workforce. So for parents, usually it's the, uh, the mom. They always had a choice. Do you want to stay working or do you want to be at home raising your kids, which is crazy amount of work anyway, but uh, as uh, it's not just doesn't pay. But now I think we have more and more people saying, well, you know what? I can work from home mm-hmm. and, and I, I need some flexibility there. You can keep some really very good people, but maybe you're going to just have to be a little more flexible with them. And I'll throw one other thing out there. Us baby boomers, I don't think we're all going to go away really easily just because we're not digging ditches. Uh, we're, we're not working on a factory. We're at a factory. <laughs> so if you want to stay in the game a little longer, you know, I can see myself in 10 years saying, eh, maybe I still want to work, but I don't want to work a ton. How do you take that, what they have to offer without it being a 60 hour week on the road? And so talk about this non-traditional, how do we work with these people? Because this is the flexibility we gotta, we all have to have. Right. It, it, great question. Because really the baby boomers are the ones who have collected either purposely, if you're like me, accidentally wisdom, right? So we're not ready you know, to dismiss, you know, this valuable enriching experience and wisdom. But again, Joe, it goes back to the mission, the mission and the culture. So if we have a solid employee and maybe they want to contribute, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week, it's worth having a conversation and saying, what role do you see yourself helping us with that moves us towards that mission, the culture, the values? Does this individual, do they display them inside and outside the work? But I found that most individuals who want the flexibility of that, you know, kind of like a mentorship, these baby boomers are great mentors. And if they've bought into the mission, they can contribute in mentoring, you know, some of your next inline leadership. Right. And I think beyond just so we, we talked about when we were prepping some somewhere along the line, somebody said we're going to work eight hours a day, five days a week. And that became kind of the de facto, that is what work is. But I think when we talk about parents who say, you know, I want to be at home with my kids, my wife and I want to do this, or my husband and I want to do this, I could see a lot of people saying, hey, look, we each want to work 30 hours a week or 25 hours a week or whatever. Right. They want a more flexible schedule. And I think if you have somebody who's really good, you say, well, how do we, how do we accommodate that? And, and I'll throw, and I'll throw in another one in there, Mike, is, how do we manage all these people? So this guy who's uh, 70 years old, but great, great at managing a few of my clients. And I have this guy who wants to stay at home with his kids. And, and then I have some people remote. I have some on, on in the office. That's, that's not easy to manage all that. It, it, it's not. So the guidelines as to what the function, what the job will be doing have to be clearly defined crystal clear as to what the expectations are for the individual to be working remotely. The technology, Joe, I I bet the farm that you've probably got some clients and some people that you've worked with that have built fantastic technology for accountability. You know, logging in, you know, one of my clients, when they log in, it tracks, you know, when they log in, calls, entries, these sort of things. (laughs) But that's part of the accountability you've got to be able to accept if you want to do remotely. But back to the employer, you've got to be absolutely crystal clear as to what the expectations are, you know, what the outcome is that you want to see that shows this particular remote position is on the track of being successful. 
right? This is not an easy management thing. In my, no. <laughs> I think about this as in the past, you know, when I go back, like, you know, I started working in the 80s. Yeah. You all sat outside the boss's office in an open area <laughs> and the boss could kind of glare at you occasionally. So you kept your head down. Who yeah. knows what you're doing? But you Put at least looked, to your arm. You're not using it. You know, you're you, just you, talking you, to your friend. <laughs> you look busy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, that is one of the things that I think when you start working from home, and I started working from home probably 08, 09, and I remember it was very weird for me is every once in a while I go, you know, I don't have a meeting for an hour. I'm going to run to the grocery store and back. And I was like, I guess I can do that. <laughs> I'm getting all my work done. I work a lot. You know, and I think it felt so weird after so many years of working somewhere where you're like, no, you don't leave the office to go get groceries, right? Right, right. And we, I think we've all gotten used to that. Like, I'm going to tell you another thing. When I first started working from home, I could go to Costco or Meyer, Walmart, wherever I was going. <laughs> and it was like walking around and no one was there. Now it seems as if when you go there, it's like, is it Saturday afternoon or Monday morning? I mean, Always what busy. is going on here? Always busy. Yeah. And it's because there's got to be a lot of people working from home all of a sudden. Yeah, could be, could be. But the clarity is to what the expectation ent- entails it goes both ways. And if those expectations are not in alignment with the mission, and if those expectations, Joe, are not in line with the values that the leader is supposed to uphold, it's not fair. You can't expect the employee to rise to those. Clarity as to what success looks like, what the mission is, what the employer and what the employee are accountable for. KPIs to measure, is this working? Right. I like it. Again, we're talking about the new logistics workforce. And again, the, 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 the workforce has changed. It's potentially older in some instances. <laughs> it's definitely more female. It's definitely more diverse ethnicities in there. And uh, yeah, I didn't think I could do that. And, and again, I think there's an expectation now that you, if you want great talent, you're going to bend a little bit. You're going to adapt and, and develop a workplace that really works for these guys. And it's going to be start with being a value-driven organization. That number one. Number two, you're going to have the right culture. And then number three, and then there's two chunks to this, is you're going to be flexible in that remote versus in-person potentially. And then I think that we have to be kind of aware that there's going to be a lot more people who want to have, I'll call a non-traditional career, whether it means should or already reti- your, your retirement age, but you're still there, or you decided not to stay at home full-time with your kids, but you still want to have a, a career. And I think maybe also... We didn't mention this, but I think there's also a lot of freelancers out there. So you'll be working with those non-traditional people. You and I are that way, right? So kind of part of the team, but on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of great value out there of individuals who can kind of fill those roles. I have my brother-in-law worked at Microsoft you know, for many years. He said, look, what a lot of people don't you know, realize, some of your Microsoft employees might already know this, is that when you were working at Microsoft, you were part of a team. And that team had a contract. Now, you were a Microsoft employee, but you were part of this contract of a project, a program you were working with. And at the end of that project, now that project may last anywhere from six months to 24 months. At the end of that project, if you did not find another team with another project to hook onto, you were out. Yeah, you could sit on the bench only for a certain amount of time or you're gone. Exactly. A lot of consulting companies are in that same mode and uh, no one wants to be pushed out. But I've always th- thought that 
the best thing that can happen for you if you're in the wrong job and you're not achieving, you're probably not happy anyway. It's maybe the up uh, getting the boot is maybe the best thing that happens to you. <laughs> exactly, into the yeah. next field where you belong. <laughs> right, right. If the values, at least if the values don't align with your values. Now that's not to say that either party's got bad values. It just means their values don't resonate. It doesn't mean that either party is a bad person because our values at the end right. don't resonate with each other. Or if you don't, you know, if you've bought into the mission, that's okay. There's another mission out there that you can buy into. It's all right to move forward, the place that not only, Joe, that fits you, but let's be honest here, a place where you can contribute, (laughs) okay, where you can see your impact. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, I always say the same thing. I want to be on a mission. I want to be on a mission, you know, I I want to be on a mission from God like the Blues Brothers. (laughs) I think the, uh, the idea of going through the motions of saying, I'm not really into this, but I'm doing it anyway. Right. That's not how I want to live my life. I want to say this is the this is today's mission. This is this Correct. month's mission. Mike, final thoughts on this, and then I want to talk a little bit about how people can talk to you at Executive Temple Coach Mike Temple <laughs> Executive Coaching. <laughs> yeah, Mike Temple at Temple Executive Coaching. Yeah, uh, front and center. It's coming becoming more and more. We were moving down this way already. All right, uh, prior to COVID, but I think COVID, you know, accelerated. It's where we're at right now. That an organization, value based organizations. They've got a strong mission that they believe in. It's the mission that they believe in. Now, if you're an organization that doesn't have a mission at this point, doesn't mean you're a bad organization to work for. But example of some organizations that I've you know worked with, Cop Logistics, you know, their mission was feeding communities. They say we give them something to eat. So they shipped a lot of frozen food, produce food. They did a lot of genuine work with food banks. Now, to the point to where their drivers, yeah, their drivers would, you know, forfeit getting paid to deliver a load to a food bank. So, you know, if um, Leroy, uh, (laughs) the owner, would contact a driver and say, hey, look, we have uh, have an order, we have a pickup, but it's going to a food bank, so there's not a lot that I'm going to be able to pay you, you know, for this delivery. It was not uncommon to have the driver say, don't worry about it. I'll take way less than market value, if anything right. at all. And they'd get that food to the food bank. And feel pretty good about what you're doing that day. And felt great about it because when they dropped that load off, you know, the people would run out there. They would, uh, you know, unload. But the people would just kind of, you know, mug that driver. Appreciative that, you know, what you're doing means something. And the drivers felt great. The cop family felt great that they're, you know, they're contributing not just their money, but they contributed their time, their sincere time in working with a lot of these nonprofit right. food banks. Another great uh, organization that uh, I had some association with, Jumping Bean Coffee. Jeff LeDrew over at Jumping Bean Coffee. It's a franchise, and they've got their their cafes and, and roasted beans. But I didn't know this. Jeff was so committed to the environment. His mission was the environment that he developed a patent system. I think it's, it's called the Eco2 Roast. It cuts carbon by 85% emissions. He spent his time developing this, so he was sincere about it. All the coffee, I'm not a coffee drinker, so you know your audience can correct me, but the, the little coffee pods that you, that you purchase and you put in the coffee maker, those have got to be able to go in the compost. And Jeff talks about this on his website. That's a mission he's bought into, and people kind of gravitate to that mission. So that's an example of a mission. Why are we here, right? Just like you said earlier, 
you know, we contribute to our, the people, our community, the planet, and we got to make some, some profit. The values, guys, the values reflect who you are. Now, values, yeah, they show themselves in good times, right? When everything's going well and everything's great, but your true values, your core principles come front and center in difficult times. How do we handle tough times? Is this who we are? Did we behave in accordance with who we are? No one's perfect, but you've got to, you have to reinforce those. You've got to reinforce when you see those behaviors, because if you don't, might not ever see them again. And you've got to call those individuals out. Doesn't always have to be in public again when you don't see the action that you want to see. The new work, (laughs) the new logistics workforce, part of a great company is the ability to pivot. So we may be in a, in a moment of pivoting from, from the prior traditional of everyone on site. But do you have a work-from-home policy? Can we pivot? Can we accommodate fantastic talent that buys into our mission, that reflects our values? Can we help get the most out of them if they believe that you that they can get the most out of themselves if they're working off-site? And how do we include them as much as we can into the organization? And those who want to be on board, who want to be there, we want you there, all right? Spontaneous, you know, spontaneous ideas, energy. And it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It can be a hybrid. Three days here, two days off. That's the ability to have a strong mission, values, the ability to pivot. The pivot moves you towards your mission. I like it. I like it. So, Mike, tell us who you serve over there at Temple Executive Coaching and tell us how we can reach out and talk to you. Absolutely. Our large market is the logistics industry, and we work primarily with owners, presidents, CEOs of freight brokerage, 3PL organizations. We're growing a very small presence in the franchise industry as well. We have three great team members. I, myself, you can find me at uh, Mike at templeexecutivecoaching.com. A great friend and colleague we both share, Joe, is Ann Holm. You can find her. Anne at templeexecutivecoaching.com. And we've got a virtual CFO who has done a phenomenal job in helping organizations control the money so the money does not control them. That's Donna, D-O-N-N-A, at templeexecutivecoaching.com. What what I'll do is I'll put your LinkedIn profiles in the uh, show notes. Hey, fantastic. Appreciate that. Excellent. Mike, what do you guys normally help people do? Well, we help, I myself, I help, you know, the owners, leaders to develop the company strategy. We work hand in hand in helping them to develop their mission, their vision. I'm heavy into helping them to create their culture and I'm holding them accountable to hitting all of those things. And we include those three items in the strategy, helping them to get where they want to be by a certain time and working with them closely on the culture. Ann Holm has done a fantastic job in helping leaders to develop your frontline leaders who are, you see some potential and she's doing a phenomenal job in helping those individuals to develop their leadership presence. Are, right. you know, you're only as good as your leadership pipeline. So we're helping in leadership development. And of course, Donna, like I said, she does a, a phenomenal job helping these leaders to control their money, control your cash. Because you don't control your cash. You, you know, you're up and down. You're, you know, your emotions are up and down with the cash flow. So she's going. 
<laughs> she's dialed into that. <laughs> right. And so it, when we talk about this, the, all these challenges and all these opportunities that we just discussed, these are the kind of things you guys get into on a regular basis. So they've become the new workforce. <laughs> yeah. If, if, you, so if you like what you heard, reach out to Mike over at Mike at Exe- Temple Executive Coaching. Easy for me to say. <laughs> anyway, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thanks again for being on my podcast. It's a pleasure, Joe. It's a pleasure to be on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, which is your viewers, whether they know or don't know, and I speak the truth, it fluctuates between the top one and number four <laughs> podcast in the logistics industry. I've got oh. proof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on, the, depending on the list, I'm always up there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> my goal is just to find good guests like yourself and try not to say too many stupid things in between. <laughs> so, <laughs> my goal for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, th- thanks, thanks everyone for listening. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. Thank you. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com.